Well, I've been a real estate investor for about 21 years. I've done about 4,000 deals. Wow. Uh, I started with nothing. Uh, my last real job, I was a poker dealer in Las Vegas. Okay. Decided I wasn't, decided <laughs> wasn't going to get rich doing that. Gotcha. Uh, it was fun, but, um, you know, time was moving on, and I made the decision that uh, it's time to get serious with my life, and I had to make some changes. I was busy dealing poker, and I was trying to figure out how I was going to get rich. Today is a very special day. Today is a special day because I'm launching the first ever episode of my podcast, Building With Blocks. My name is Joshua Williams. I'll be a host and I'm also the creator. The reason why I started this podcast is because I wanted to learn about the real estate game. I don't know anything about real estate investing. Um, very little. I'm not gonna come up here and act like I'm a guru, I'm an expert, and like I know what I'm doing. I don't, okay? I'm starting this to interview the people that are really out here in the field that are really doing it. I came up with the name Building With Blocks from a Jay-Z lyric uh, from a song, uh, The Evils, off of Reasonable Doubt, and where he said, we used to fight for building blocks, now we fight for blocks with buildings that make a killing. And I look at it in the sense of we're building with blocks in real estate, whether it be blocks with houses on them or blocks in the sense of bricks that we're stacking on the house. But when we're sitting and we're talking to people, we're building in a sense, and we're building with blocks of information. So I thought it was just a cool little play on words. I felt like that would be a great name for the podcast because it speaks to who I am as a person and what I'm influenced by. So my background is marketing, and I figured what better way to learn the game than to use what I do best, which is social media, as a vehicle to learn how to do real estate. So my first guest for the first episode is a guy by the name of Sean Greaves. Um, this guy is a seasoned pro at this game called real estate investing. And I wanted to pick his brain, get an idea of the lessons that he learned. So without further ado, Building With Blocks podcast. This is the very first episode. Check it out. Building With Blocks podcast episode number one. I got a really, really special guest in the building today. His name is Sean Greaves. I'll let him tell you a little bit more about who he is and what he does. Go ahead and give him a little bit of a backstory on Oh, well, um, well, I've been a, uh, a real estate investor for about 21 years. Okay. I've done about 4,000 deals. Wow. Uh, I started with nothing. Uh, my last real job, I was a poker dealer in Las Vegas. Okay. Decided I wasn't, decided <laughs> I wasn't gonna get rich doing that. Gotcha. Uh, it was fun, but um, you know, time was moving on and I made the decision that uh, it's time to get serious with my life and I had to make some changes. Okay. And um, so I was busy dealing poker and I was trying to figure out how I was gonna get rich because I wanted okay. to get rich. Right, as we all do. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I got the thing, well, I put a formula together, and, um, and actually I later wrote a book called The Success Formula for Humans, it's on Amazon, okay. but um, there's, a, there's a formula that I put together that um, I thought if I'm gonna be successful, I gotta have to build a map. 
Okay. And so I built a map, and uh, actually I teach you how to do it in the book. And, uh, but I was thinking, how am I going to get rich? Well, that, and that was 20 years ago. It's 2019 now. And um, I got to thinking, back in the early 80s, I was right out of high school. And I'd gone to a couple real estate seminars, nothing down seminars. Those were really popular back in the early 80s. Okay. And I uh, learned how to buy houses. So I went out and I bought 20 houses. I was 19 years old. Wow. Went out and bought 20 houses. It might be a lot or a little. I don't know. It depends on who you are. A lot me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I stopped. For, after a couple of years, I stopped. I, I don't even really know why, but uh, I stopped doing it. Okay. I was a young kid and I had a job. And, and um, so now I'm out in Las Vegas trying to figure out how to get rich. And then I realized, wait a minute. People still get foreclosed on and file for bankruptcy and divorce and death and all the reasons they cause people to have to sell their houses. Right. So all those situations still existed, so I made a decision. All right, I had a thought that I'm going to go back home and I'm going to start buying houses. Okay. Go back home to St. Louis. So you say I'm going to, I'm going to regroup and then it's still an opportunity, so I'm just going to take advantage. Yeah. Okay. So quit the job, quit dealing poker in Las Vegas, move back home to St. Louis. I'm going to give you a couple little things that happen that, um, see, a lot of people, they're afraid to step out of their comfort zone. Right. Okay? And that's huge. If you want to grow, you have to step out of your comfort zone. These are facts. You cannot grow unless you get uncomfortable. Sorry, that's just the way it is. Right. And um, so I moved back home. Of course, I needed a job because I had to pay my rent and my car payment. And um, so I started dealing poker in St. Louis again. I dealt, before I went to Las Vegas, I was only out there for like a year, and I came back, got a night job dealing poker, Okay. Uh, so I could secure some money to live on, and so now I had to attack this house business. That's why I decided to come back home. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem, and when you are trying to climb the ladder to success, there's always going to be problems. Right. It's never smooth. Right. Okay, so in my journey, so that, and I wrote my story in this book um, and talked about all the problems and how I overcame them. So one of the biggest problems was I wanted to do real estate and I was broke. I had zero money. Having money is pretty important to do real estate. Yeah. It don't necessarily <laughs> have to be your own. Right. But you got to have some money. You got to have something. Capital. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, so I went into a bank, just a small bank. It wasn't like a Bank of America, just a no-name bank. Okay. And um, I asked to talk to the uh, commercial lender. And they said, well, that'll be the president of the bank. <laughs> I thought, Don't, you got anybody else I can talk to? I just <laughs> right. didn't really want to get rejected by the president of the bank. Right. They said, no, he's, he's the guy you need to talk to. I was like, okay, let me at him. So she walks me into his office. And I give him my best power handshake. Okay. Hi, I'm Sean Greaves. She says, how can I help you? I said, well, I want to buy houses and fix them up and sell them. He says, well, that sounds like a pretty good goal. How can we help? I'm like, hello, I'm in a bank. How do you think you can help me? Yeah. I need money. Right. So I told him, look, I have good credit. At least I think I do. I pay my bills on time. Uh, I have zero money, and I don't even have an account at your bank. Can you help me? <laughs> Talk okay. about stepping out of your comfort zone, right? Right. I was right. real uncomfortable. Right. So I decided, well, I'm going to talk to this guy for a little while and build some rapport. Okay. And so I ended up, his name was very similar to mine, 
and um, we were six months in age apart. His wife and my girlfriend were the same age, so, so, you already got so we had a lot in common. Lot I started in digging, uh, dig, building that report. I started digging, asking questions. Right. And um, so started playing on the rapport thing. So I spent two hours with the guy, and I walked out of there with 100% financing. Wow. Yes, they did finance me 100% on houses. Rapport so, goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. So I went out, started buying a house. I'd buy a house, I'd fix it up, fix it up and sell it. Okay. And I'd buy a house, fix it up, and sell. So I was doing that. I'm still working. I was working from eight o'clock at night till five in the morning. Gotcha. I'd come home, sleep till noon, work on my houses for about five hours, get back to the casino, work all night long, get off at five in the morning, get home, sleep till noon, work on. I did that for one solid year. Okay. And um, I made eighty thousand dollars doing houses that one year. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's real good. Yeah. And. The poker job was paying me $27,000 a year full-time. I made $80,000 part-time. That's crazy. So I was like, well, I'm not a financial wizard, but I think the full-time job's costing me money. So I quit the job, and now my goal has gone full circle. Now I'm a full-time real estate investor. So I buy a house, fix it up, and sell it. Buy a house, fix it up, and sell it. I'm doing that. I think maybe I can do maybe three or four more houses a year, but I wanted to make a million dollars a year. Okay. So I'm working real hard. I'm working on these houses every day. And then I meet a guy that's rich and successful. And um, he does real estate. He has some businesses. <clears throat> and um, he says, Sean, I, t I tell him my goal. I want to make a million dollars a year. I'm doing real estate. And he says, you got two problems. He says, one, you can only make so much money with your own two hands. Mm -hmm. Right. He says, you're going to have to hire the work done. Trading time for money. You're right. He says you're going to give up a little bit of money for labor, but you'll make it up in volume because you need to do multiple houses. Yeah. You need to be doing three and four houses at a time. Right. Right. And here's the golden nugget. We always want to take advice from our friends and family. All of a sudden, they become experts on the subject that we're wanting to do. Right. You know. So if you want to make a million dollars, a lot of people they go to the people that are making thirty and forty thousand dollars a year. That's the wrong person to talk to. Mm. If they knew how to make a million dollars a year, they'd be making a million dollars a year. Right. So don't take advice from somebody that's not doing what you want to do. Mm. Facts. So I got this millionaire guy. He's the guy to listen to. It's like, okay, I'm going to start doing multiple houses. Okay. And I'm not going to work on them. I'm going to hire the labor done. Okay. So now it's called working on my business, but not in it. Right. Okay? Because right. if I go in it, everything else stops. Okay, but you, so you already had the capital to hire out from... from I've been doing houses already. Gotcha. Okay, so now I go over to the bank and I tell them, hey, I'm going to start buying multiple houses. I want to do three and four houses at a time. Okay. One problem. Remember I told you there's always problems? Right. Bank said, well, we're only going to finance you one house at a time. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm making my payments on time. You never lost a penny with me. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a trustworthy guy. Right. I've, Proving that. And I said, well, we know that, but that's our program. I was okay. like, ah, oh, so that's a big problem. Right. So I get to thinking, who's got money? Well, I know banks have money, but I don't like jumping through their hoops. I'm thinking, okay. trying to figure out how else can I get money. So I get to think, well, there's private individuals out there that have money in the stock market or in other investments that they're not happy with their rate of return. Right. You know, you 
as of today, you, you got to lock your money up for five years in a CD and you're going to make about 2% for the right, whole year. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, one point something right now. Right. So I figured all I got to do is beat the CD rate. I can quadruple the CD rate and people want to give me their money. Mm. So I ran a newspaper ad. Mm. And I had three people call me. One guy, I think he was just lonely and wanted to talk. Other guy had $5,000. Well, I already had 80000 okay. And the other guy, he said he had a million dollars. I was like, wow. ooh, I, was like, I think you're my guy. <laughs> I would think so too. Yeah. So I said, why don't I come over and meet you and your wife and I'll bring before and after pictures and closing statements and show you the deals that I've done and we'll talk about an interest rate. And I said, great. So I went over a couple days later and met him and his wife. Bill. Wait, what year was this, by the way? This was um, about 20 years ago. Okay, got you. Okay. And um, so I went and build rapport again. Mm -hmm. And um, spent a couple hours with them. We talked about an interest rate. They said, we like it, let's do it. Wow. So now I've got access to a million dollars. I don't need the bank anymore. Right. Okay? <laughs> so now I'm out here doing houses. I'm doing multiple houses, three and four houses at a time. Okay. Money's coming in, money's getting good. Okay. And um, I'm just rehabbing houses and running the show. And that goes on for a few years. Okay. I'm, I'm making real good money. Gotcha. Then I get a call from a guy. Now my, my money guy, his name is Tony. Okay. He's not Guido Tony, but his name is just Tony. Right. <laughs> and uh, so I get a call from a guy and he says, hey, we're, um, I got, we got a friend named Tony and he says you're investing his money. And he says, you're a man of your word and you're a good guy and could you invest my money too? Mm. I was like, well, okay, give me your name and number and I'll, I'll get back with you. And I'm thinking, now why is Tony giving my phone number out? <laughs> I'm not even spending the million dollars I have with him now. Yeah. I was like, hmm. A couple weeks later, I get another phone call. Yeah, we got a, a mutual friend named Tony, and uh, he says, uh, you're investing his money. Could you invest my money too? You know, now it's a second guy. I'm like, uh, well, give me your name and number, and right. let me call you back. Right, right. Now I'm thinking Tony's getting ready to get rid of me. You know, I'm giving him a great rate of return. Didn't know why. Then about a week later, Tony calls me. I'm like, uh-oh, here, here, here he comes, he's gonna, he's gonna cut me off. So I'm like, uh, uh, hi Tony, uh, how's it going? He's like, well, it's going good. I was like, uh, is everything okay? He goes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, everything's good. I was like, what's up? Right. <laughs> and he says, well, uh, my son has a sports management company and they invest money for professional athletes mostly football players. Mm. They got about $20 million they'd like to invest with you, and I was wondering if it's okay if I give, you, give their, your phone number to him. And I'm like, okay. Go ahead, give him my number. Right. So I hang up the phone, I'm thinking, what am I gonna do with millions of dollars? So I get to thinking. Okay. Everything starts in your mind as a thought. Then right. it comes out into the real world if you want to keep it. I thought, wait a minute, there's guys just like me that want to do houses, but they don't know how to go raise money. So I thought, I know, I'm going to make these football guys my partners. I'm going to make their money available to other guys. Gotcha. And I'll be in the middle. Right. And I'll pay my football guys, I'll collect the payments, I'll service the loan, and I'll pay the football guys a certain interest rate, and I'll lend it out at a higher interest rate. 
Okay. And I'll keep the spread. Gotcha. That's called arbitrage. That's what banks do. Yeah. You know, you deposit your money in the bank, they pay you just a little bit of interest and they lend it out at a higher interest rate. Gotcha. Banks have to lend money to make money. They, if they don't lend money, they're not making any money. So they have to lend money to stay in business. So I thought, I'm going to do what banks do. So football guy calls me. He says, oh, I've been watching what you've been doing with mom and dad and you know, they say you're a man of your word and you, you make your payments on time and well, we've got millions of dollars we want to invest with you. Can you invest the money? I was like, well, you know, your dad told me you were going to call and here's my plan. We talked about an interest rate. I talked to him what I was going to do. I'll service the loans. I guaranteed him zero risk. Mm. Told him you'll How never, you do that? I told him you'll never lose a penny. Okay. Because I gave him my word. Okay. Um, so he says, you know what? I like it. Let's do it. So I go out. I'm still rehabbing houses, but I'm out here telling guys, hey, if you need money, I got money. No qualifying financing. No application. Just find a good deal. Hmm. And before I know it, 200 loans. I got 200 loans going. Wow. Now I'm bringing in mailbox money from the loans. Right. I'm still rehabbing houses. Now I'm bringing in about $80,000 a month. Wow. So I'm on my way to that million dollars a year. Right. You at one point you made eighty thousand from flipping. One year, right. But now, now I'm now making, making eighty thousand a month. Amount. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. But the way I did it was I was creating value for other people to help them do the business. Right. And like Zig Ziglar says, help enough people get what they want and you'll get what you want. Right. So I made this money available to rehabbers, no qualifying, just have to have a good deal. I don't even have an application. Yeah. I'm paying, I'm paying these football guys a great rate of return, and I'm keeping the spread, I'm collecting the payments, making sure everything's going smooth, I'm rehabbing houses and selling houses, things are going great. Okay. That goes on for about four or five years. One problem, you know that one problem thing? Right. The stock market, or the uh, real estate market crashed. Right, right. It crashed. Mm -hmm. Houses dropped by half their value because banks were doing stupid loans. They were doing stated income, no qualifying loans, and they were all one-year adjustable rate mortgages. So we could get some, and we could get them in for nothing down. They'd get a 90% loan. The seller could pay the buyer's down payment and closing costs. Get these buyers in for nothing down. Mm -hmm. you know? And they barely qualified if they qualified at all because they weren't checking, they were, they were checking credit, but it was no qualifying. Yeah. And it was no documentation. So if you were flipping hamburgers at McDonald's, you could qualify for a $200,000 loan because it was a stated income loan. You could say, I'm making $150,000 a year, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't check it. Right. So they were doing millions of loans all over the country. Right. Well, that's a house of cards, especially after one year because they were adjustable rate mortgages. After one year, they had a low, low teaser rate where they could barely afford the payment. After one year, the payment shot through the roof because the interest rates shot through the roof because mm -hmm. they were an adjustable rate mortgage. Mm -hmm. So after one year, millions of people across the country got foreclosed on because they couldn't afford it. Re uh, landlords were refinancing houses because the price of real estate was shooting up because of supply and demand. See, and when you have an, an, a supply-demand issue, so it was easy to sell houses. Yeah. So the supply, we were selling houses, so the supply was going down, but the demand was going up, which means the prices were going up with the demand. Okay. Unlike when the market crashed, the demand went down to nothing, but the supply of houses went up. 
no demand, high supply makes the prices go down. Right. Okay, so now all these houses that we were selling for, say like in the North County area for $90,000, they should have been selling for 50,000. Now they drop down to 15,000. Mm. Okay, so um, mm. had the market crashed, all my loans went bad. I had those 200 loans out there, so I had to clean up that mess. Wow. So I lost um, over half a million dollars because I gave my word to my borrowers, the right. football guys, that they wouldn't lose a penny. Lose a month, yeah. And here's another nugget. If you give your word to somebody, keep it. Mm. Okay? That's operating. That's operating out of a higher level of integrity. And actually, it's real easy to run circles around most everybody because most Americans, for whatever reason, they don't operate out of integrity. Mm. I don't like it, but that's the facts. If you say you're going to call somebody back, call them back. If you say you're going to get back with them with some numbers, do it. If you say you're going to buy it, buy it. If you say you're going to do something, especially if you shake their hand, do it. Right. Okay? But I gave my word to my investors they wouldn't lose a penny. So you paid them all back. I paid them all back. I got rid of all my houses, so I, now I sit. Okay. Real estate market's just tumbling. Tumbling, tumbling. We don't know how low it's going to go. Prices are dropping by half. Yeah. Okay? It's crazy. So I'm sitting back trying to time the market. Most everybody else went broke. I'd been making a lot of money for five years, and so I could afford to lose the money to get my investors back to whole. Because if we did a $40,000 loan and I could only sell the house for $20,000, I took the extra $20,000 out of my pocket to get it, back, get it back to my investor, the football guys. Okay. So now I sit. I'm waiting to see what's going to happen with the real estate market. Mm -hmm. And I think it's bottoming out. But I'm looking around. And I'm thinking, okay, most everybody else is never going to do real estate again. Okay. Everybody thinks real estate's dead. Nobody's going to invest in real estate anymore. That's what, that, that's what most people are thinking. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. Up in the North St. Louis County area, a lot of loans that I were doing, those were pre predominantly rental areas. Mm. But landlords were kicking the tenants out, fixing the houses up, and selling them for top dollar. Because the demand was high, the supply was low, the prices were going through the roof. Mm. Okay? Okay. So I was thinking, Opportunity. I'm thinking, wait a minute, where'd all the renters go? Renters had to go somewhere because mm -hmm. they were getting kicked out. So I went over to the St. Louis County Housing Authority. I said, tell me about this Section 8 housing thing mm. where the government pays the rent. Right. I was like, okay. I said, is there a demand for this? And they said, we have people... We've had thousands of people holding vouchers, but there's no houses available. Mm. Now, I'm like, wait a minute. There's thousands of houses available in North County, and nobody's touching them because mm. everybody's afraid to, to do real estate. There you go. Okay? I still have access to millions of dollars because I kept my word with my investors. Mm. Okay? So you got capital. So now I'm thinking, okay, there's a demand for rentals. Right. So... I go out, the market's bottoming out, so I start buying houses. I'm buying them 10 at a time, five at a time. Okay. I still got my crews, my three and four crews that I had when I was rehabbing the houses. So most of the houses were just recently rehabbed within the last year, year and a half. Okay. Okay? So most of the houses just needed paint and carpet. Mm. So I could get a house ready in a week. Mm. I had three and four crews going. I'm buying houses and packages 10 at a time. Next thing you know, I got 83 houses. Wow. 
83 rental houses. Okay. Now I'm bringing in about $42,000 a month. Okay. It's not 80,000 a month, but you'd be surprised on how easy you get buying 40,000 a month, you know, maybe right. one less pair of shoes or something. Right, right, right. Shoot, so now I got the rental house, I'm bringing in 40,000 a month. And that's going good. Okay. And um, that goes for about four years. And then banks start lending again. They stopped lending because they were busy getting bailed out by the government. Okay. They see we couldn't after the crash we couldn't buy a house, fix it up, and sell it because you couldn't get a new owner financed. Nobody was doing loans. Banks weren't lending to homeowners. That's why nobody was jumping back in the market. Because you couldn't buy a house, fix it up, and sell it because the bank wasn't gonna finance your new buyer. You couldn't sell your houses. So nobody was doing it. But the rental market was strong. Okay, so I do that for about four years. Well, after the banks, all the banks get bailed out by the government, banks start lending again. Guys start calling me up, Sean, are you still lending to rehabbers? I was like, yeah, because I still got access to millions of dollars. Right. They said, well, the banks are lending. So I just check it out, and sure enough, banks are, FHA's lending, and, and uh, so now a guy can buy a house again, fix it up, and sell it, and the new homeowner could get a bank loan. Okay. So it's time to get back in the loan business. So I get out there, next thing you know, I got 200 loans going again. Now I'm back up to that $80,000 a month. Gotcha. Rocking and rolling. Right. One problem. <laughs> I hate the rentals. Okay. Because low-income tenants are high maintenance. Add them T's, tenants, toilets, yep. all of that. I mean, I like to say, how many low-income tenants does it take to change the light bulb? The answer would be zero. They won't change the light bulb. They'll call the landlord and tell them that the light's broke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I even had one lady call me at 2 o'clock in the morning to tell me that her boyfriend kicked the front door in, is laying on the living room floor, can you come over and fix it right now at 2 o'clock in the morning? Right. Wake me up from a dead sleep. I'm like, uh, yeah, um, let me get my Home Depot keys. I'll go pick up a door and a box of nails, and I'll be right over. No, I'm not coming over here over there at 2 o'clock in the morning, and don't call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I hated those rentals. That was time to get rid of them. Right. So I made the decision, I'm going to get rid of these houses. It, it served a purpose, because yeah. we couldn't buy and sell. That's why I did the rentals. Yeah. But how do you get rid of 83 houses? I wanted to get rid of them fast. Okay. You know, like five days, you know? Right. You know, they'll take yes, everybody yeah. else take five years. Okay. Okay, so how do you do that? Well, I found out that there were uh, cash buyers coming from California buying all up and down the Midwest because they could buy more houses with their money in the Midwest than they could in California. Mm. You could take a million dollars and buy one house in California, you could take a million dollars and buy a whole bunch of houses in St. Louis. Okay. Okay? So I tracked down the buyers. Okay. So it took me four months to sell 83 houses. How'd you find the buyers? I just started doing research and found out where the buyers were. Mm. I mean, that's a whole nother course, but um, <laughs> uh, so it took me four months to find uh, to sell 83 houses. Mm -hmm. So in, a, in a, about a four and a half year period after the crash, between the cash flow and the profit on the houses, I made a pro total profit of $2.1 million Wow! in the worst real estate market that we will ever know, just taking advantage of market conditions, Right. staying cool, using my thoughts creating value, make a couple million dollars. Okay. So now I'm back in the loan business, and I've been in the loan business for a long time since I've sold the rentals. I do financing, I wholesale houses. Okay. And 
now I, I put this, uh, this formula together that I, that I did to, to get rich. Okay. Um, it's called the success formula for humans. And um, so I teach people how to build a success map and how to use their mind for success because everything starts in your mind as a thought. Gotcha. And, you, and if you do it right, you can have beer do anything that you want. Okay. Okay? You have to use your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And I explain all that in the book. Now, I just came out with a new book just this week called Kiss the Stock Market Goodbye. Make 30 to 40% interest on your money, risk-free, unless there's a zombie apocalypse. Gotcha. Which means you're not going to lose. Means it's not going to happen. Right. You're not going <laughs> to lose your money. Okay. And if there is a zombie apocalypse, we ain't going to need any money anyway because we're all going to die. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So, I... Um, took this method that I use, I start, you know, I'm doing loans. Okay. Well, there's a certain type of loan that kept popping up where it was absolutely zero risk. And I make 30 to 40% interest on my money. And so I teach people how to do that in this book. Okay. And I have a training course um, uh, on it also. It's called kissthestockmarketgoodbye.com. Gotcha. And um, then I started doing public speaking, teaching people how to be successful in any field that they want. And that's seangreaves.com. And I do corporate speaking now, and I'm also a hypnotist. And I hypnotize people out of the audience, bring them up front, just have them do some funny things. Now that's got to be a hook right there. Yeah. You tell somebody you're a hypnotist, they're like, what? Hold on, you do yeah. that, and then you do that? Because so. hypnosis actually taps into the subconscious mind. Okay. Because yeah. nothing happens. Right. None of your goals are achieved until you get them into your subconscious mind. Right. Okay? So let's say, let's say somebody wants to lose weight. Now, you're going to battle your conscious mind right off the bat. Because right. your conscious mind doesn't like you to be uncomfortable. Right. Okay, so you've got to convince your conscious mind of this new thought that you have, let's say, of losing weight. And the conscious mind, you have to convince the conscious mind to send it down to the subconscious mind, mind to run it as a program. Because mm. nothing's going to happen until it gets installed as a program. Because a lot of times people want to lose weight and they quit or... You know, they go to work and they got cupcakes there and like, oh, I, I'll start my diet tomorrow. Right. Or, oh, we got a big weekend, we're going to be going out to dinner, is, I'll start next week. So you always talk, talk yourself out of it. But if you ask anybody that's lost any amount of weight, a good amount of weight, they will tell you it was hard at the beginning. And the reason it was hard is because they had to convince their, subcon their conscious mind that this is what they wanted to do, to send the program to replace the I'm an overeater to I'm thin and fit program. Because okay. you can't have two programs running because your subconscious mind is just like a computer. Okay? Your computer will not run two programs like I'm a smoker and I'm a non-smoker. Won't, won't run those two programs at the same time. You've got to replace one with the other. Okay? Or I'm an overeater and I'm thin and fit and I eat healthy. Okay, so you got to replace the program. And if you ask anybody that has lost any significant amount of weight, you'll see that at the beginning it was a struggle mentally right. to fight your body. But then after a while, they'll tell you, then it got easy. Right. The reason it got easy was is because the conscious mind replaced the overweight program with a, a thin, fit person. I eat healthy. Re the program was replaced, and then it became easy. Right. So... As far as your story, what do you feel like the sac what are some of the sacrifices that you had to make to get to where you are today? Well, I've been done three thousand deals, you know. Well, you have to um, well, everything starts with a thought. Mm -hmm. Then you have to make the decision that you're going to do it. Right. See a lot of people
they want to get all the details all in line before they pull the trigger and, and start on this goal. Mm -hmm. Well, you can get all the details you want, but until you make the decision that you're going to do it, details don't matter. They don't. You have to make the decision. Then you have to have what they call a white hot burning desire. You have to want it bad. I mean, like if you come up against a brick wall, you're just gonna have to, you just look at it and go, hmm, interesting. Let's figure out how we're gonna get over this, or under it, or around it, or I'll climb over people. Right. And then you have to take action, because um, nothing happens until so you make it happen. Right. Okay, so the sacrifices I've made, since I started with zero money, a lot of times if you don't have any money, you gotta use your own back. Right. And your own two hands. You won't have the luxury of uh, hiring people. I remember my very first house. I didn't even have a, a skill saw, an electric saw. I was cutting all my two-by-fours by hand. I didn't have a shop back to vacuum up all the sawdust or nothing. I had a broom and a dustpan. Mm. Okay? See, nowadays, a lot of guys, they, don't, they won't do a job unless they have all the power tools and all this stuff, mm. whereas you got to make do with what you got. And just start. And just start, because you don't have the money. Right. So you do have to sacrifice the time. You have to decide, what am I going to give for this? If the only thing you got is time, then you got to give up watching football on Saturday. <laughs> right. And on Sunday, watching two pro games on Sunday. Oh, got to go to Monday Night Football. Got to go to the tavern. No more Baker hey. Mayfield games. Uh-huh. Oh, they got a free buffet at the tavern to watch Monday Night Football. And, uh, you know, basketball is going to be starting soon. And, hey, hockey's starting this week. You know, oh, and, you know, the kids' activities and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't have time for all this. Right. Well, if you don't have time, you're never going to be successful. Mm. You got to sacrifice. I, I, have a, I have a coaching program where I teach people how to make $10,000 every 30 days in this real estate program. Yeah. Uh, it's called thegreavesmethod.com. And uh, I had a student that he wanted to be at the dinner table with his wife and child at 5 o'clock every evening. And I told him, that's the wrong thinking. When you're self-employed, time doesn't matter. Mm. There's no clock. As a matter of fact, time flies by real fast. There's usually not enough time in the day. Okay. Okay. But if you're like, oh, no, I'm not. I, I want to be at the dinner table with my daughter and my wife at 5 o'clock every evening. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to work till midnight. You know, it, it, it's nice That's to have a family priority, but if you're willing to sacrifice, just like I did, I work from 8 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning, and I work from noon till about 6 mm. every single day. Mm. It's called doing now what most people don't want to do, which is work hard, so you can have later what most people can't do, which is retire or have a lot of money. But most people are not willing to do the first leg of it, which is work hard. Okay. You got to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, whether you like it or not. Time doesn't matter. Right. You got to go out and create value. And if you don't have money to do it, the only substitute is busting your butt and working with your own two hands. Right. Mm -hmm. And then after a period of time when you have money, then you can buy the power tools and make things easier or hire the work done. But if you don't have it, you got to use your back. Now, some people will argue with me and say, oh, no, 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 I'm going to use my mind to get rich. 
Okay, well, good luck with that. Okay? Right. Because right. they're not Just willing. Just law of attraction, let me think it. They're not willing to do all the dirty work. Right. That reminds me of a, a time I had a house I was wholesaling. I got a pretty good deal on this house. And um, it rained for like two weeks, almost every day. In St. Louis, sometimes it just rains. And um, for about two weeks, it just rained like crazy. And I hadn't gone over to the house that I bought. I didn't pay very much for it, but I went over just to check on it and ended up there was about that much water in the whole basement. Yeah. Okay. Wow. The floor drain had backed up. Now there's a sewer, there was a sewer lid out in the backyard, which meant all the other houses drained into that sewer. And they all it all backed up into my basement. And it wasn't water, it was feces. Toilet, little bits of toilet paper and just the nasty Gross. stuff. Yeah. Now most people, well, I don't know what most people, they wouldn't have touched it. <laughs> I wouldn't have touched it. But doing what, you, what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, whether you like it or not, I couldn't get anybody to go over there and shovel it up. So even though I had money, I was willing to pay somebody, couldn't get anybody <laughs> to go. Yeah. I could have hired one of the big companies, but I, would, I didn't want to pay that kind of money. Right. So I went over with trash bags and a trash can and big scoop shovel, and I'm over there scooping this stuff up. Got it done. And you know what? I, I might have been a millionaire by then, but you know what? Money didn't matter. It didn't right. matter what money I had. I had to protect the investment that I had in this house so I could sell it and make money. Right. That's so, a sacrifice. You got to do what needs to be done, whether you like it or not. That's, whew, that's, a, that's a bar. <laughs> and you want to put a plan together. I call it a success plan. And um, if you want to put a good success plan together, decide what you want and get a group of people together. It can be friends, other business people. And it's got, you know, get, and, and Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich talks about this. Mm -hmm. uh, put a mastermind together. Mm -hmm mastermind group put a mastermind group together of like-minded people nobody negative right and you just want to get like a whiteboard and you tell tell the people okay this is my goal this is what I want to achieve right. or this business I want to start and I want everybody just to give me ideas anything and every anything you can think of to help me get to the money Right. And you just start making a list of anything and everything that you can think of. I don't care how stupid it may sound, just throw it out. Right. And you make a huge list. And when everybody's exhausted of ideas, and then you say, okay, everybody out of this whole list, let's pull out three of the most important things that'll get me to the money. Okay. Okay, and then when you pull out three of the most important things, you say, okay, out of these three, what one is the most important? Gotcha. Okay, when you come down to that one, then you break that down into small, small, manageable bites, small pieces. It could be coming up with a business card. Okay, well, where are you going to get it? What color? What kind of stock? What name? Do you want any designs on it? What do you want it to say? So there's a lot of little things to getting a business card. So if you just break it down, well, I want this name. My, they already have a company name. That's the name. Well, I want this picture on it. Oh, I would like this slogan on it. So you just break it down. So when you break down each, each little, each one into small manageable pieces, mm -hmm. the smaller, the easier. How, you know, they say, uh, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Wow. 
if you just look at that whole elephant and say, I'm going to eat you in one bite, you'll never even start. Right. But if you start cutting that elephant up in little bitty pieces before you know, right. you're going to start, before you know it, that first one's done, strike off a list, go to the next one. Break it down into small manageable pieces, right. almost effortless. Okay, it's like, let's say at your place of work, um, they're, for whatever reason, they're going to build like a little rock garden, you know, toward the back part of the building. Right. And they, a, a company comes in and drops a pile of rocks at the front door. And you don't have a wheelbarrow or a bucket or a shovel, you have nothing. But you need to get these rocks back to the back side of the building. Right. Well, if, if you just came in every day and just picked up a handful of rocks, and you went over and you just dropped them over where you need the rocks to be every day. Another handful of rocks, boom. Another handful of rocks every day. Before you know it, that whole pile is going to get moved and you didn't even have to break a sweat. Consistency. It was, we broke it down into small manageable pieces. Mm -hmm. And so when you take a goal and you break it down, because that's why most people don't even get started, because they look at the whole thing. Right. I don't even know how I'm going to do it, but this is what I want to do. Okay. So if you, if you break down the goal into manageable pieces, um, it makes it so much easier, almost effortless to achieve your goal. Gotcha. So what are um, some of the myths about real estate investing? Like what, what well, are some of those? One thing that always comes up, uh, one they think is super easy. Mm. It, it, real estate is just like anything else. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm. But at the beginning, it's challenging. It's okay. hard. It's hard to uh, just get your mindset right. Okay? okay? There's so many different ways to do the real estate business. You got rentals, you got wholesaling, you got uh, buy, fix, and sell. You got doing loans, you got lease options, you got Airbnbs are big right now. There's so many ways. And people, so they can't stay focused. Because, you know, with the internet, you're constantly getting, oh, there's a new webinar on a new method. Oh, here's right. another webinar on another way. Here's another way on this. It's like, no, no, pick one. That's, that's one of the things that I, I dealt with when I first started looking into real estate. Everybody has a YouTube video. Everybody has a different strategy. Yep. And then before you know it, you get paralysis analysis where you really don't know what to do because one guy is telling you to do this, but then you got another guy that's telling you to do something that contradicts that. And yes. they both might be right, it just could be just different situations. Right, well, one guy prefers this, another guy might prefer this. One guy will say, no, 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 don't do that, that's right. bad. Right, And the other guy's like, this is what I do. Right, right. And I, I could tell people, you know, with, with my coaching program, you know, I teach people how I did those 83 houses and made $2 million. Mm. But then a lot of guys will go, no, don't do it the way Sean does it. You'll never make any money. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? I have successful students out here making $10,000 a month. They actually work on the house for two weeks and then another two weeks to take it to sell. But then there's other guys that say, Sean's method doesn't work. I'm here to tell you it does work. I have successful students doing it every day. But it all depends on the person. What you know, there's so many ways to do this. You investigate, look at all the different ways to do this business. Bottom line is buy low, sell high. It's pretty simple. Right. Buy low and sell high. But you'll go, you can find probably 15 different real estate groups that have monthly meetings in our town. Monthly meetings. Mm -hmm. 
And you'll find people going to the same meetings. They've been going for years and they've never bought a single house. Well, one, fear. Fear is the hardest, one of the hardest things to do in this business is getting over your fear. Right. Okay, that's, that's the biggest hurdle this whole business or anything when you want to um, achieve a goal um, or start a business is, is getting over that mental hurdle in your mind of the fear. Okay, because um, Les Brown talks about, um, Les Brown's a motivational speaker. Yeah. I think he's one of the best speakers in the world. Yeah, I'm familiar with Les Brown. And um, Les will tell you, watch out for those dream busters. Mm. The dream busters are your friends and your family. Mm. As they're going to try and talk you out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So one, don't even tell your friends and family what you're doing. Right. Because they're going to try and bust your dreams. Right. You know? Yeah, my favorite rapper, J. Cole, said, if they don't know your dreams, then they can't shoot them down. Yep. <laughs> so we got to watch out for the dream busters because they're yeah. going to talk you out. Because right now it might be a thought. Yeah. It's not a program running in your subconscious mind. It's so easy to have people talk you out of what you think you might want because it's just a thought in your, in your conscious mind. Yeah. Okay. But once you lock it into the subconscious, those dream busters don't matter anymore. Right. But at the beginning, you're fragile. Right. It's just a thought, you know, and, and, People can give you a, a, a hundred reasons on why it's not going to work. Right. And all you need is one reason on why it will. Right. Probably didn't work for you. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, what, you're going to do real estate? Oh, no, no, no. Uncle Bob did real estate 35 years ago and he went broke. Right. What? No, no, no. You can't do real estate. No, 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 no. What does no, that no, have no. to do with me? Yeah. For starters, you don't even know what he did and Uncle Bob's, you know, he's an idiot. So. <laughs> right, right. So don't compare me to Uncle Bob. Right. I know what I'm doing. At least I think I do. Right. You know? If I don't, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And if I fail, so what? Right. You can tell me I told you so, but right. I'm going to give it a shot. But when you, when you go for your goals, you can't go halfway. It's like sticking a key in a lock. If you see a, stick a key in a lock halfway, it's not going to turn. Right. You got to go all the way up in there. Right. Because if you don't, you can't go halfway, it's not going to work. Right. So you got to give 100%. You got to stick that key in all the way. Okay. Yeah, I said it's not going to work. I promise you. Either all in or just sit at home. Yep. Basically. Give 100%. Give it a good try. Hey, you know what? Maybe if it don't work, you know, all those people going to those real estate, sem uh, real estate monthly meetings, or you go to real estate seminars. Right. You'll go to seminars that you'll see people that have been doing, trying to do real estate for 10 years. Yeah. And thinking, this one's going to be it. This is going to be the one. I'm going to get rich off of this method. Right. Well, they were going to get rich off of the last method, the last seminar, and the seminar before that, and the seminar before that. They had a different technique and a different technique because they're afraid. You got to make the decision that you're going to do it. Make sure the method is strong. Mm -hmm. And then you have to make the decision. I am going to do this no matter what. You have to have a white hot burning desire. When you really want to achieve a big goal, you have to have a white hot burning desire. White hot burning desire comes from, if you, let's say you light a candle. If you look at a candle flame, you'll see there's different colors in a flame. There's blue and green and yellow and then white. And white is the hottest part of the flame. That's why white hot burning desire comes from. You have to have a white hot burning desire that this is what you got to have that fire in your belly that nothing is going to stop me. Right. Nothing. 
Right. When you make that decision that nothing's going to stop me, it's a funny thing. The universe is going to start delivering to you little, little chunks of gold here and there. And you're like, man, where was this before? Well, it's because you didn't make the decision that you were going to do it. But when you pull the trigger and you make that decision, I am going to do this no matter what, the universe will step aside. Not, it'll challenge you. Right. You will still get challenged. There's always going to be problems. But use your mind and you can overcome those problems. Gotcha. So we talked about a lot of stuff that's pretty much macro, very macro. Let's bring it kind of micro now. If I'm a real estate investor that's getting started, or it could be just starting a new, you know, you might have been doing one method, but now I'm doing this method. What do I need to do today? You know, what are some of the things that I need to be developing in, in my routines for, you know, when I wake up, you know, what do, what do I need to do on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure that I'm successful? Uh, for starters, I would, uh, since we're on, everybody's on Facebook, find the real estate groups in okay. your city. Okay. And find what method that you think you would like to do and then find somebody that's doing it. Gotcha. Okay, because there's no better way to do something uh, than find somebody that's doing it, ask them to mentor you. Do they have a training? Okay. Okay. Don't ask other people. Don't ask your friends and family. We talked about that. They're going to tell you, can't do it. Right. Okay, find somebody that's doing what you want to do. Take them to lunch. Buy them a cup of coffee. See, because a lot of these successful people are not afraid to share. That's why I'm here with you. Right. I, as far as I'm concerned, there's no competition. The only competition is between your ears. Getting over the fear. That's the competition is yourself. Where the African proverb is, says, if there's no enemy within, there's n the enemies without can do you no harm. Mm. So we're our worst enemy. We can talk ourselves out of almost anything. Right. But when you make the decision, it starts with a thought. Make the decision, get that white hot burning desire, take action. Start off, find somebody that's doing what you want to do. Right. It's real simple. And if they're really successful, I promise you, they will share with you. They will give you assignments. They'll tell you how they did it. Mm. I told you I started with nothing. I had nothing. Right. Okay. And I'm pretty successful. I've done over 4,000 real estate deals. Okay. So I'm not afraid of competition. Right. I don't even have to do this anymore. I can retire. But I love doing real estate. I love teaching people how to make money. I can teach people how to make money in anything they want. I don't care what your goal is. It doesn't have to be real estate. It can be anything you want. I got the formula. It's right here in this book. Mm. Follow the formula. It will work. Mm. It worked for me. It can work for anybody else in anything. They can have, be able to do anything they want. But decide what it is that you want. And when you do make the decision, this is what I'm going to do. No matter what, find somebody that's doing it because odds are you're not burning a new trail. There's probably somebody already doing what you want to do. Right. I mean, unless you're one of the fortunate geniuses that can come up with something brand new, but odds are somebody's already doing what you want to do, be it real estate or I don't care what it is. Go find somebody that's successful. Okay. 
and ask them, hey, can you help me? Can I buy you lunch? Can you give me some guidance? I want to make sure what I'm thinking is right. Can you give me, uh, can you give me your thoughts? And the successful ones, they will meet with you. Let's talk St. Louis yep. a little bit. Um, do you invest outside of St. Louis? No. At all? Okay. Only St. Louis. I was going to ask, like, is there a difference between the St. Louis market and other markets? Is there something that distinguishes it from... Well, a lot of, a lot of cities are all the same. You're going to okay. have good parts, you're going to have bad parts. Okay. Uh, me personally, like, I do loans. I do a couple hundred loans a year. Mm-hmm. I don't like to lend in North City. Okay. Uh, in any direction, why, you, why you can throw a rock in any direction and you can hit run down, boarded up houses. Okay. I like to invest in better communities. Gotcha. I didn't make it that way. All I know is if I had to take that property back since I do loans, sometimes I have to take them back. If I have to take a property back, I want to look at it and go, can I get rid of this? Will somebody else want to buy it? Right. Okay. Right. North City, for starters, is dangerous in North City. It's hard to rehab a house. You carry mer- merchandise or material and install it in the front door, and at nighttime it's going to go out the back door. Mm. In a lot of the North City areas, it's hard to rehab houses in those areas. Mm. Can't keep the material in the house. Gotcha. Okay, I didn't make the rules. I'm I just mean, telling you the facts. And all that extra yeah, stuff. Mm. and um, so I'm selective on parts of the, the uh, of St. Louis that I will lend in. I really like North St. Louis County. That's mostly where I, that's this rehab area. North County. Yeah, no. North County. You go out to West County, hot area. West County. If you're lucky enough to find a deal in West County, man, you're gonna have it sold before you're even done with it, okay? Mm. Not as much in North County, but, um, you know, the prices are higher in West County. I like to help guys in the North County area, 100,000 or less. Mm. Because most guys can carry those payments. Gotcha. You know, if you're borrowing a half a million dollars, most guys can't make payments on, on a half a million dollars mm. and do a full rehab. So I'm a, I like the lower, I like the forty and $30,000 uh, wholesale purchases because most guys can, can handle that payment and get in and get out. Gotcha. You know, and in my coaching program, I teach people how to buy the rental area houses and then sell to landlords. Because there's tons of landlords begging for deals, but they don't know where to find them. Cause supply and demand. We got right. the supply. There's the demand. We we go. give people what they want. Like Zig Ziglar says, help people get what they want, and you get what you want. But you got to be willing to get your second. Right. So we create value on these. Like let's say a two bedroom house in Jennings. Okay. Most rehabbers do not want to buy a two bedroom house, because. Most rehabbers are going to buy it, fix it up, and sell it to a homeowner. Most homeowners want three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and a two-car garage. Okay. And Jennings are mostly two-bedroom houses. Mm. So most guys, most rehabbers won't even touch that house. Right. But it's a good rental for landlords. Gotcha. Okay, so there's a big demand for rentals. So... We find the buyers, we find the properties, we put it together, we give them a nice product, we put them together, 
It's a win-win-win for everybody. Somebody gets a nice house to live in, the landlord buyer gets a good purchase because we sell at a discount, and then we make money. We make that $10,000 every 30 days, mm. and we just keep turning them over and over and over. Mm. We teach people how to make that fast money because a lot of guys, they'll buy a house, let's say they'll buy a house in Florissant, and they're into it for a couple hundred thousand dollars and it takes them seven or eight months. And let's say they make $30,000. Mm. Let's say they make $40,000. Okay. And it's just a good hit. Yeah. Seven or eight months. Yeah. That means in seven or eight months, if they do it again, they're not gonna do, they're only gonna do one house a year. Right. Okay? In seven or eight months, with my program, if you're making $10,000 a month, in seven or eight months, you're gonna have 70 or $80,000 mm. and you just keep doing it all year round. Right. Because you can scale it. Right. But a lot of guys look go, wait a minute, I ain't going to do a house and make 10000 That's not sexy. But in seven or eight months, my you. people got seventy or 80000 He's only got 30000 right. That's sexy. Right. So it's all in your mind. Let's think about the numbers. Create value. That's in business, in any business. If you create enough value, people will give you their money. You know, if I got a, a 1957 pink Cadillac convertible with 1,500 miles on it, and you got a pink Cadillac 1957 pink convertible with uh, 1,500 miles on it, and you want 50,000 for yours, and I want 20,000 for mine, who's going to sell theirs first? Yours. Me. Same exact car. Right. Because I created value. Right. That's what we do in the real estate business. We sell at a discount to give the buyers what they want. Okay. We sell the guys that have cash. They don't have to go get a bank loan, which makes it even faster. Mm. So, is my method good? Yeah, it's real good. Got a lot of people making a lot of money. But then there's other guys that look at it and go, Sean, Sean's method's no good. Spend $150,000 fixing up a house and another $60,000 rehabbing and wait seven or eight months. That's what we do. Yeah. Okay, if that's what works for you. But I don't want to get paid every seven or eight months. Yeah. I want to get paid. And if you can do one house, you're going to do two houses at a time or three houses at a time. Then you're going to start making twenty and thirty thousand dollars a month. Then it gets sexy. Right. But believe it or not, there's a lot of guys that turned the nose up at my method. Because it just didn't work for them. That's it doesn't that. Mean it doesn't yeah. Work. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many ways to do this business. So you have to decide. What way are you going to do this business? Right. You're, it's an expensive business. Pick one. Stick with it. Do it for a while. When you start making money, then add another technique. Right. You know, a lot of people want to be wholesalers. It's hard to make money being a wholesaler. Mm -hmm. There's so many people doing it. There's not a, you can only slice a pie so many times right. until there's, you can get a little piece of the pie, but you can't, you can't even taste it. Right. That's where we're at now. There's so many wholesalers out there. Mm. Every street corner you go to, there's a sign on the, we buy, house. we buy houses, mm -hmm. okay? Well, why don't you call them and you buy a house from them and fix it up and sell it, mm. you know? But being a wholesaler is not where it's at. There's too many people trying to do it because it seems easy. Mm. Oh, it's so easy. You don't even have to fix up a house. There's not enough houses to go around to make a living. You'll never be able to quit your job, if you have a job, being a wholesaler. Unless you're going to go spend ten or fifteen thousand dollars a month in marketing, right? But you might spend ten or fifteen thousand dollars in marketing, and you may not buy a deal that month. Mm. Which means next month, that better make you some. You change. spend another ten or fifteen thousand. You buy one house, 
that house just cost you $30,000 to buy that house. Right, right. So unless you have a lot of money to market, you're not going to be able to compete with the, with the big guys. So when you, if you're starting off, you suggest <clears throat> not to do wholesaling, but to get into rehabbing. Get into rehabbing. rehabbing. Yeah. Okay. Get okay. into rehabbing. Do it my way. Do it the cheap way. We, we, we buy the cheap ones. We get them, we make them pass inspection, we sell them off really fast. Now, what about the people that say, oh, I don't know about rehabbing, you know, I hear these stories about people getting uh, that cash flow tied up because they don't know how to uh, rehab, they don't know construction, so the person, it's like going to a car, the person that's fixing the car can tell you it's one thing, but if you don't know really what it takes, then they can just, you, you know, take advantage you, of you, sure. basically. The hardest part of the real estate business one is giving o getting over the fear, getting over the hurdles in your mind. Mm -hmm. The second part, second hardest part, doesn't make any sense, is getting good help. Mm -hmm. That's the second hardest part of the whole business is getting good help. Mm -hmm. Contractors. Contractors. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Getting good help, somebody that knows what they're doing is going to work for a reasonable price. I have a lot of students that, uh, that are women. Mm -hmm. they, don't know, they don't know how to do plumbing. Or electrical, but they get they line up good help. Mm. That's that's a fair price, so that that guy can work and make money for himself, and then they can still fix up this house and make money for themselves. But the hardest part is getting the good help. That's the hardest part. Ask okay. any rehabber; they'll tell you the same thing. They can't get any good help. They don't show up. They don't. Uh, I can't get them to come to work. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. So what are some of the resources that you use or that you would suggest for somebody to use in order to, to I guess, get to that level of finding good help? It's trial know? and error. Yeah. You know, a guy can tell you, hey, I know how to do this, I can do that. Right. And at the end of the week, either he's going to do a good job or he's not going to do a good job. Right. You're going to see. You know, I, I like when I hire painters. If I, I go over to the house and I see them painting, now a good painter... Like if he's gonna paint in the corners or paint baseboard molding, he holds the brush sideways. So he can, because when you push on the bristles, it, it fans out and you can control that painting edge. Okay. But if a guy's gonna paint, cause you gotta paint like this at an angle. Okay. Okay. But if a guy's got a paintbrush and he's gonna paint trim like that, he doesn't know how to paint. Mm. I already know he doesn't know how to paint. Mm. So you're going to see the results when you hire somebody. Right. And you can let them go, you know, in one day if you see that they're not working the way uh, that they should be. Yeah. So much. a lot of guys will talk a good game, but the proof is in the pudding. You're going right. to see their work. Right. Do they show up on time? Do they do good quality work? Right. You know, I, I saw one guy. He was working for a, one of the, the students, and he put in a new wooden door, a front door, solid door. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it was just a little too big. Instead of getting a fine-tooth skill saw to get a nice, smooth cut, he used a chainsaw. Yeah. Wow. I mean, a chainsaw does not leave a, a smooth finish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's yeah. crazy. I was like, uh, you got to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So you'll, you'll know by their performance. Gotcha. And that's okay. the hardest part of this whole business. Mm. Other, okay. than, other than tackling the hurdles in your mind and getting over the fear. Right. And you're going to get burned. You're going to lose money. Right. From time to time, you're going to lose money. Okay. And I tell people, if you haven't lost money in real estate, you're not doing enough deals. Mm. <laughs> really? 
because you're going to lose money sooner or later. You're going to get vandalized. You might be right on the edge of breaking even or making money, and you're ready to sell, and somebody breaks in and steals, breaks open the furnace and takes the A-coil out and steals your air conditioner and your water heater, and now you're looking at several thousand dollars. Now you're in the hole. Mm. You can't control that. Put an alarm on the house. Wow. So it's a challenge. It's a challenging business. Talk to me about the housing market, like um, the stats. Have you taken a look at the stats? I don't go by stats. Um, I'm a lender. Okay. So I can see when people are calling me asking for loans, so I know what's going on in the market. Right now it's getting tight. Mm -hmm. The supply is low. Okay. But there's always deals out there. If okay. you look hard enough, there's always deals. Mm -hmm. You know, you ask any of my students, they're going to tell you they never worry about finding a house. There's always houses. How do you feel about the economy in, in the current state that it's in right now with all these? Like I just found out yesterday, I looked, they said Forever 21 is going bankrupt. All of these businesses are... Well, uh, I mean, you can look at the retail. The retail industry is changing because of the online uh, merchants. Right. You know, people out of convenience, they're buying online and it gets delivered to their front door. Right. You know, if it doesn't fit, you can send it back do, or whatever. Do you think the economy is about to correct soon? Um, everything cycles. The, the economy always cycles. You know, a lot of guys are so sure that the real estate market's going to crash again. Right. Okay. You, you, I was... That's, that's why I'm... Yeah. I'm okay. hearing that. Um, All right. Well, I don't think it's going to crash because if you look back and see what caused the crash before, what caused the crash before was the stupid loans that the lenders were making. They were lending money to people that couldn't afford it. Mm. Okay? They were buying houses for nothing down. They're giving them adjustable rate mortgages, which is a recipe for disaster. If you don't go and refinance and get into a 30-year fixed rate loan, oh, your payment's going to double in a year. Mm. If you don't refinance, your payment's going to double in a year. And nobody refinanced. Wow. And they couldn't afford the payments. The landlords that, that pulled all the equity out of their houses, their rental houses, the rents couldn't cover the payments because they got a one-year adjustable rate mortgages. And all the landlords got foreclosed on. So what caused the crash, because it's a, it's a, a domino effect. Um, people stopped buying houses. The house market crashed. You couldn't buy and fix and sell a house. Uh, so that affected the, the material suppliers. Oh, when you buy a house, oh, you're going to buy furniture and ref appliances. And it goes right down the line. Everybody, the whole, the whole, every sector got affected by the crash of the market because of, you know, what people buy when they buy a house. Right. They buy furniture, they buy carpeting, they buy roofing, they buy, you know. So all the industries were affected by the crash of the market because everything stopped. Everything was flowing and flowing and flowing, but what was driving it was the real estate. The prices were going up because everybody was buying because they could get in. If you could fog a mirror, you could buy a house. Mm. When that stopped, all the other economic um, supporters of the economy, um, you know, from uh, TVs and, and refrigerators and carpeting and paint and roofing and plumbing supplies, all that, all that stopped, which affected jobs, mm -hmm. which affected new construction which affected banks wouldn't lend anymore. So it, it was all due to these, the lending practices of these lenders, and it was greed-driven because they were charging outrageous loan fees. Right. 
And then they were packaging these loans up and selling them to investors out of, out of country, investors from China, saying this was A credit buyers. Hmm. And they're like, whoa, we want A credit paper here. That when they were sense. actually <laughs> D, D credit buyers. Yeah. And it was a house of cards. It was going to fall because these were bad borrowers. Hmm. They got in with nothing down, they had zero skin in the game, and then when their payments doubled, you got no skin in the game, it's gonna cost you nothing. Right. Live in it until they kick you out. Right. And then you go rent an apartment. So what, what made the um, economy crash was the bad lending practices for real estate, which affected the whole economy. Mm. At the time also, 9-11 uh, happened also. Okay, and so I don't see any of that stuff happening because the lending practices were changed. The, there's a thing called the Dodd, uh, the Frank, the Dodd Frank Act, mm. which made it harder to get loans. Okay, there's they, they qualify, they, you had to really qualify for a loan. Okay, through the Dodd Frank Act, because they didn't want this to happen again. So that's still in effect. Um, now, if, if subprime lenders come back and make these stupid loans again, okay, yeah, it's going to crash. Mm. Real estate prices are going to shoot through the roof um, because the um, supply is going to go down and the demand is going to go up, which will drive the prices up. And when you see that happen, you, it's just a short period of time that it will crash because it will be based on, on bad credit borrowers that are not going to be able to afford, especially if they do a one-year adjustable rate mortgage, in that one year, they're not going to be able to afford the payments. They're, everybody's going to get foreclosed on again. Mm. So if you see the price of real estate spike up, that's because the supply went down. Supply is low right now, but it's a legitimate low. Okay. Because people are just out buying houses. Okay. Okay. Interest rates are extremely low right now. It's, there's no better time to buy a house interest rate wise than right now. Somebody got, I, I talked to a lender the other day, they got like a 2.1 interest rate, mm. a 30-year loan. Are you kidding me? Wow. 2% for a house loan? Back in the early 80s when I started buying houses, the interest rate was 18% mm. of what they're now charging 2% for. Mm. It was hard to buy houses back then, but I bought like 20 houses. So if you can buy when interest rates are sky high or almost zero, you can make money everywhere in between. Mm. There's always an opportunity to make money in real estate, whether the market's good or bad. Okay. It doesn't matter. It does, you know, in the good times, people buy more houses than they can afford, more houses than they can afford, and they get foreclosed on. Now, there's a deal right there. Right. Okay, in bad times, everybody's getting foreclosed on. I snapped up a bunch of houses in the bad time. Right. Okay? Back in the 20s during the uh, depression when the stock market crashed, uh, people were jumping out of windows because these, their stocks went down to zero. Mm. And what happened was, this may be more information than you want to know, but a lot of people, they, they started, the, you could borrow money from the brokerage firms. Okay? okay? And when the stock market took a dive, everybody's stock went down. Now, they, it's called buying on margin or on credit. It's the same, margin and credit is the same thing. Me saying the brokerage firms say, hey, we'll lend you money to buy stock. We're gonna charge you interest on that money. But if the stock drops down to a certain value, we're gonna call that loan in, 
and you got to pay us the money back that we lent you to buy that stock. Now, when they call the loan in, that means let's say you bought a stock at $15. Now it's trading at $1, but you still own the value of that $15. Right. You don't have, there's no money there to pay them. Right. People were jumping out of windows, killing themselves because margin calls were coming in. They couldn't meet the margin call. They couldn't pay it back. And a lot of people jumped out of windows and killed themselves over money. Wow. And, um, you know, and there was blood in the streets, they say. Right. During when the market crashed. But there were people that got rich when the stock market crashed. Right. There were people that were hoarding cash, knew it was coming, and then when all those, you know, let's say a Johnson & Johnson stock that sells toothpaste and, and diapers. Right. Okay, that's a solid company. They're always going to be making toothpaste and diapers. Right. And if their stock drops down to a dollar, it's normally trading at $20 a share. If it drops down to a dollar, there were people with a lot of money buying it back at, buying this stock at, at $1. And then naturally, because their, their business is going to continue. People have consumer products that they have to buy. That stock is going to come back. Mm -hmm. And um, so the people that bought at $20 a share, they lost everything. Right. But when it dropped to a dollar, people with money were buying it. And then it came back up to 20 Right. So when, when the economy is bad, there's opportunity to make money. When the, when the economy is good, there's opportunity to make money. Right. In real estate, you can make money anytime you want. Mm. You just have to think about it. Like when it crashed and I made $2 million in four years. I used my mind, I got to thinking about it. Well, how can I make money out of this? Okay, there's opportunity here. Right. Everybody's gone broke. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of empty houses in St. Louis. Right. How can I take advantage of this? Prices went down because there was no demand. You got your supply and demand. No demand, right. um, the prices are going to go down. Right. High demand, prices just like gasoline. The reason gas goes up is because the supply is low. Right. Um, uh, about a, two weeks ago in Saudi Arabia, the biggest oil refinery in the world mm -hmm. got hit uh, by bombs by another country. They say it was Iran that bombed the oil facility. Mm. What happened to the price of oil? That means production stopped, the supply went down, right. price went up. Right. Right. Okay. Now, a lot of times there'll be a uh, surplus of oil. Mm -hmm. That means that the price goes down because the high supply, low demand, price right. goes down. Right. Oil refinery gets hit, supply goes down, demand's up, price goes up. Right. So in economics, supply and demand, if you keep your eye out there and just watch supply and demand, supply and demand, right. a lot of times things are pretty even. But when something happens that throws either demand or supply off, that's time to make money. That's time to make money, right. Okay? It's, it's simple economics. Supply and demand will make you rich. You know, in real estate, we got demand. In, in my method, I got landlords that want houses. Mm. We can find the supply. Mm. We just give them what they want. Mm. Okay. Um, there's demand for retail residential housing now. Yeah. That's why supply. There's. A, I saw something. The other day, I think it's. I think they said there's a three-month supply of housing right now. 
You know, when, when, when the uh, economy slows down, it might be a six or eight month. This means it might take somebody six or eight months to sell a house. Okay. Right now, it's taking two to three months. Okay. Sometimes 30 days. Okay. Yeah, that's what they're talking about, supply of housing. Gotcha. Okay, so the, the supply is low right now, which means demand is high. Gotcha. So when supply is low, demand is high, prices go up. Right. Okay? Because the, the days on the market are very low right now. It means there's a high demand, which means it's a seller's market. Right. When they sit on the market for five, six months, then it's a buyer's market because they want to get rid of their houses. They're willing to discount it because gotcha. the demand is low. Gotcha. Supply is high. That's what I did with the rentals. The supply of vacant houses was high. There was no demand. Nobody was buying them. Yeah. So I could get them super cheap. Right. Super right. cheap. But then you said the demand for rentals was high. The demand was rental because before the crash, all the renters were getting kicked out of their houses. Mm -hmm. They didn't have anywhere to go. Right. So I went to Section 8. They said, we have thousands of people holding vouchers, but there's no houses. Wow. So the demand for rentals was high, <clears throat> and there was no supply. Right. That perfect opportunity. So I jumped on it. Keeping your eyes open, just listening to the market, yeah. basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I did it in real estate. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, the, the, everybody's afraid of the, um, the stock market crashing. It's at an all-time high right now. Right. Okay, but the stock market is so f volatile. You know, just any word of anything drives the stock market up and down. Right. They say, um, sell on fact and buy on rumor. Because a lot of times a rumor will make a stock go up and down. Mm. You can make money on stocks if it's going down, and there's ways to make money on stocks if it's going up. Yeah, I've heard that, not that, that phrase, but I've heard that technique. Like, yeah. But it, it makes sense. Sell on, so, but sell on stock market buy. is a total gamble. So let's say something is trading at $100 a share and something happens on the other side of the world that has nothing to do with this company and it drops down to $50. Okay. It has nothing to do with the company. Right, right. But somebody says, oh, the whole, the whole industry, the whole Dow has to go down. Right. See, the Dow, you've heard of the Dow, mm -hmm. okay? That, the Dow, do you know what the Dow is? The Dow, yeah, I'm familiar, but not. Okay, the, the Dow Jones Industrial That's Average. Stock. Yeah, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And what it is, is they take companies that represent the whole economy. Okay. So you can have like Goodyear Tire, General Electric, Amazon, um, uh, Apple, you know, elect electronics, consumer supplies, you know, the airlines, American Airlines. So and they replace those, there's 30 stocks that represent the whole economy. Okay. Okay, 30 blue chip stocks, strong companies okay. that represent every sector of our economy, mm -hmm. okay? Of which those sectors crashed when the real estate market went down, all these sectors were affected. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's the general represent representation of the whole economy in our country. Okay. Different suppliers, different industries, okay? Okay. And so at the end of the day, they said the Dow was up 135 or is down 500. Right. Okay. One of those stocks could, like a, a um, um, I don't know what the oil industry is right now. It could be um, Exxon or something mm -hmm. in the Dow 30. You know, an oil refinery gets hit in Saudi Arabia. Exxon's going to get hit. That one stock in the Dow 30 that represents the whole economy, it's directly affected. 
because they deal in oil, but it's going to drag the whole Dow, the whole average. They take an average and it, it will drag the whole Dow, uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average down mm. because one sector got hit. It affects the whole economy. Mm. And that's what, that. when you see on the news, oh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up $132. Okay. Or down 500 Okay. Okay, so it's so violent. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. That's why I came out with that book called Kiss the Stock Market Goodbye. Right. Who wants to ride that roller coaster? Right. You can't even sleep at night. Yeah. And that. most people aren't making 30 to 40% interest on their money. So I teach them, get rid of the stock market. Don't invest in any other crazy investments. Right. Even real estate. It's hard to make 30% guaranteed on your money year in and year out. Yeah. So I teach people how to take this money and what we... we we do loans with it, but there's a certain type of loan that guarantees zero risk where you make 30 to 40% interest. Mm. I don't care. When I do a loan and the, doc, the, the stock market, let's say the stock market goes down to zero, it's not going to affect me. Right. Let's say the economy tanks again. Right. Uh, you know, if I do a small loan on a house that's worth 150000 I do a $20,000 loan on it, that house ain't going to drop down to 20000 if I teach people how to control their money, make 30 to 40% interest on their money, risk-free, then after a while, you start accumulating cash through monthly payments, and then there's a thing called compounded interest. Right. So now, let's say you take $10,000 and you make 30% on your money. You can make $3,000 mm. in a year, mm -hmm. okay? 30%. Right. Now let's say you make 40%, you make $4,000 on a $10,000 investment. Right. When you got that money, now you've got $14,000. You lend the whole $14,000 out, and now it, you start making interest on top of that interest. Of interest. And that's okay. called compounded interest. Mm. Okay, it's called compounded interest. Albert Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Right. Because now you're making money on top of your money. Right. The interest is making interest. Right. And I teach people how to totally take control of their money and their financial situation. Get out of that roller coaster in the stock market because you can't control that. Mm. You can't control these nuts bombing an oil field in Saudi Arabia affecting what's going on in the United States. Right. You never know what's going to happen. Right. With the way I teach people to invest their money, you know exactly what's going to happen. And you will never lose your money if you do it the way I teach you. So I teach people to take control of your money instead of relying on some, giving it to a stockbroker because they don't know either. Right. You control, take control of your money so you know what you're going to do. So let's say you, you know, a retired person has their money in a CD because they can't take any risk because they need that money. They don't have time to replace it if they lose it. Right. It's some crazy investment, right? right. So they've got to have it in something very, very safe. It could be in a bond or, let's say, a, a CD in a bank, a certificate of deposit that pays one point something. Uh -huh. okay? If I can show a, a retired person, instead of making the decision between paying your electric bill and buying your prescription, because you're only making 1% on your money, if I can show you how to make 30 to 40% and not have to take a risk, do you think that would improve their lives? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an easy decision, yeah. So I teach people how to make money. Right intelligently and not take any risk with it okay so that's what i do gotcha. real estate's a beautiful business you can get rich or you can go broke depending on how you do it
Right. And it starts in your mind. Got to get over the fears. You just have to find one good technique that you like. You know, check out thegreavesmethod.com. It might be for you, it might not. If you want to make 10, 20, 30,000 a month, I don't know why you wouldn't want to, but it's a great way to do the business that not a lot of people are doing. But I'm about making money, making it as easily as I can. I think it's the easiest way to get rich in real estate by creating value. That's the way business works. If you create enough value, people will throw their money at you. Right. Create value. What What are you um, curious about right now? What's 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 some things that that you know you're looking at and you're saying, hmm, I'm kind of interested in. You know, I mean, not necessarily outside of real estate. I mean, it could be outside, but what are some? What am I working on right now? I mean, that was going to be my next question. What's next, you know, for you? What you got on your plate? What's what's on the menu for... Well, what I'm doing 20, is... 20, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, um, I'm doing corporate speaking. Mm-hmm. So I can teach people how to make money using their mind. Okay. And that's based off of this uh, success formula for humans. Okay. Of which I'm going to give you a copy. Oh, appreciate That's that. for you. Um, but the success formula for humans, I teach people how to have, be, or do anything they want. Okay. And so corporate speaking is my next step to show people how to improve their lives. Gotcha. And, um, uh, and then this, this new book that just came out, um, I'm giving trainings on that. I really want to show people how to take control of their money. Okay. Yes, I charge money for the seminar. If I gave it away for free, they wouldn't value it for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I teach people how to take control of their money. So this, I have a seminar. Um, uh, at Kiss the Stock Market Goodbye. This book is also available on Amazon. Okay. This is $250. It's not cheap. Got you. Okay. But it's the real deal. Okay. If it was uh, $9.99, nobody would, would value it. Got you. Okay? Right. Um, I would sell it for $500 or $1,000 on Amazon, but the maximum you can sell a book on Amazon right now is $250. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I really want to teach people how to make money because when you start doing real estate, you're going to start accumulating cash. Gotcha. Why not start getting your money in your mailbox? Right. Invest it and you just go to your mailbox every Residual once a month. Income. That's what it's about. Yeah, it's yeah. called multiple streams of income, yeah. MSIs. You create value for other people and people will pay you money for it. And you get enough of those going, you got multiple streams of income coming. I have 200 multiple streams of income coming in right now with loans wow. that I do. Wow. You know, one guy could fail, but it's not going to affect everybody else. Right. And if it's a type of loan that I've done out of this book, he can fail. I'm a lender. I'm the only lender in town that I say, don't pay me. I don't care if you pay me or not. Because hmm. I'm going to probably take your house and make more money with it. <laughs> you, want, you want them not to pay you. <laughs> I want them not to pay me. Right. Especially the method in this book. Okay. I really hope they're not going to pay me because... <laughs> I, I won't make 30 or 40%. I'll make 3,000 to 4,000% if they don't pay me. Wow. So in the That's worst case scenario with this method in this new book, I'm the only lender in town where most people's worst case scenario is have to take a house back and lose money. That would be my best case scenario because I love to take a house back because right. I will make 3,000 to 4,000% of my money. Mm. But I want to teach people how to take control of their money how to take control of their lives, to have beer, do anything that they want. Yeah. I really like helping people change their lives. 
because they're, the only limitation is in your mind. Everybody has something that we can learn from. Right. Okay? I don't care who you are. You can go learn something from a person standing on the street corner holding up a sign saying, um, you know, hard times, please give me money. Right. You can learn something from that person, and that person can learn something from you. Right. So don't discount anybody's economic situation. Don't um, also be careful of who you're judging because you don't know who that person is. Right. A lot of times you may find out, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I just yelled at this guy and called him all kinds of names, find out he's a multimillionaire? Right. Maybe he could have helped me, right. but I prejudged this guy. Maybe he was out working on something and he's all dirty. Right. And you prejudged him where this guy could have helped you. Right. you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Give everybody a chance. You know, we just saw, I just saw um, last night on, on Facebook, there was these young teenagers. Um, well, I think it was in St. Louis. They, it was like an uh, initiation. They, they, they beat up an, a 77-year-old woman. Wow. You know? That's terrible. And then I saw a video on Facebook where there was this old lady. There was some protesting going on. These kids were blocking this old lady with a, a walker trying to cross the street, giving her a hard time. Okay. You know? Stand up for the people that can't stand up for themselves. Right. You know, don't be afraid to help people. You know what? People may say, well, I don't have anything to give. Well, you can give a smile. Right. You can give a compliment. You can go help somebody at, you can help an older lady at a grocery store. Um, you know, if she's done putting her stuff in her car, go get the cart for her and go push it back to the cart corral. Right. You can always, you always have something to give. Because you can't get, get unless you give. You got to give something in order to get, okay? Just the way the universe works. So start giving. You're having a bad day, go out of your way. Go find somebody that you can go help or go do something for or go give something to. Right. I don't care if it's a penny to give to somebody, but you got to give in order to get. You can't just get. Okay, it's like the guy that's out lost in the wilderness and it's snowing. There's four feet of five feet of snow on the ground. He's lost and he's tromping through the snow and he sees a cabin and he goes into the cabin and it's dry inside there and there's a wood burning stove and it's full of wood and there's some paper under like some newspaper underneath and some kindling wood and, the, and there's a box of matches right there and all these, and he's freezing to death mm. and He's standing there yelling at the stove to give me heat, give me heat, I'm gonna die. And the stove's like, you gotta give me the match, man. You gotta light the match and stick it in here. I'll give you heat. And he goes, no, give me heat first. And the guy freezes to death. If he would have given first, he wouldn't have froze to death. Mm -hmm. You gotta be willing to give, give in order to receive. Mm -hmm. Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. You want money, give money, Right. you know? You want carrots, you got to plant carrot seeds, Right. you know? So you got to give in order to get. That's the rules. Right. Too many people are trying to get first. I keep saying it, Zig Ziglar says, help enough people get what they want, then you get what you want. Be willing to get your second. Right. Be willing to get your second. Too many people out there want theirs first. It doesn't last. They might get it first once or twice, but it doesn't last. Go out and give a compliment, give a smile, help somebody. And the universe is gonna start falling into place. It's gonna start giving back to you, you know? Set your goals, write your goals down. Be very specific on what you want. Write it down as if it's 
present and positive as if it's already happening. Okay? Because you got to see it in your mind. Because if you can't see it, nobody else will see it. Right. Okay? We live in the show me state, Missouri. Well, show me and I'll believe it. No, 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 no. You got to see it and then you'll believe it. Right. Okay? If you say, I want more money, you might be walking to the, uh, across the parking lot and find a penny. And the universe will go, nope, I did my job. He's got more money. Mm. You're like, yeah, but I don't want a penny. Right. So when you see pennies or nickels laying around, pick them up. Because that's the universe starting to send you money. Mm. A lot of people will step over that penny. Mm. It's money. Let the universe start doing its job. That's interesting. It'll start giving you, okay, we're going to start out. If he's not willing to pick up a penny... We're not, we're not going to give him anything else. Can't give him 10000 yeah. Right. Yeah, he's not even going to do anything. Right. So when you That's see a penny laying around, a nickel laying pick it up. Mm. I pick it up and I say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm a money magnet. I'm a money magnet. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm. I put it in my pocket. You know? Yeah. And then I keep the flow going. I'll also go donate some money. When I do see somebody that I think needs money, I'll give them my money. And I don't expect anything in return. Mm. Give it freely. And the universe will return it to you in abundance because we live in a world of abundance. Right. Okay? Just look at the, just look at the world we live in. Right. You know, you plant one kernel of corn, it's going to grow a stalk. It may put out one or two ears of corn with about 600 kernels in each ear of corn. So you might get 1,200 kernels from one. Or you plant a little wheat seed. You've seen a, a wheat stalk, thousands of seeds on it from one seed. The universe operates out of abundance if you allow it to happen. You know, sometimes in the summertime, you'll see a couple miles of birds flying across the sky. Right. They're migrating or whatever, but thousands of them. Right. You know, when was the last time you walked out on your sidewalk and you saw a dead bird laying on the sidewalk? <laughs> you don't. It's because the universe takes care of the animals. Okay? It takes care of the animals because they don't have a working thinking mind to really change their environment to get what they want. It's pretty basic on what they want. So the universe will, divide, will provide for animals. So if you have a working thinking mind, there's no reason you should be broke. If you have a working thinking mind. The universe provides for the animals. Because right. they can't think on their own. Right. Okay, they're pretty much programmed, they're at a vibrational frequency of being a bird or a dog or whatever. They're not going to change. But as human beings, if you don't like where you're at, change your vibrational frequency. Starts with a thought, get it into your subconscious mind, and you can be happier to do anything that you want. If you're broke, that's your fault. If you were raised when you were little, if your parents were poor, that wasn't your fault. If you're an adult and you're poor, and broke, that's your fault. Right. Because you can change your vibrational frequency any time that you want if you have a working thinking mind as a human being, which we do. So if you don't like where you're at, put a plan together and change it. You're not stuck. A lot of people are stuck in this generational conditioning. Oh, I can't get ahead. Uh, you know, I'm, my, I have nieces and uh, our nephews that her, their mother, my aunt, was broke. Always been broke. Mm -hmm. Her kids are broke through generational conditioning. Mm -hmm. She's taught them you can never get ahead. Okay? So generational conditioning can be reprogrammed. If you don't like where you're at, change your vibrational frequency, change your subconscious programming to decide what it is that you want. That book right there will teach you exactly how to have beer do anything that you want. 
And you can go to my website, it's called www.ez53.com, the letter E, the letter Z, 53.com. You can find all these books and my courses. You can, ha you can be a millionaire with just the stuff that I teach on my, my site, the EZ53. You can decide whatever it is. I don't care if it's real estate or selling cars or diamonds. I don't care what it is. That book right there will teach you how to do it. That book's only $20. This one's $250. <laughs> 20 bucks, you can learn how to have beer do anything you can buy for $9.99 on Kindle. Gotcha. But you can have be or do anything that you want if you want it bad enough and you follow the rules. Gotcha. Okay, is there resistance out there? Yes. Of course, right. There's always resistance. But, you know, every time I get on an airplane, you know, I think, man, this big machine, how do they get it up in the air? It's incredible. Well, they know they're going to load it with, with people and fuel and water and suitcases. They can't weigh over 50 pounds. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then, then they know about how much this thing's going to weigh. So the engineers know they have to make the wings a certain size. Right. Then they, they, they back it out on this long street called a runway. And they have to get it up to a certain speed, okay? And the faster, you got to get up really fast. Have you ever stuck your hand out the window on the highway in your car? Oh, yeah. You feel, you feel that's, the resistance, yeah. uh -huh. that's the resistance of the air hitting your hand. Right. So when that plane gets up to a certain speed, the air, the resistance of the air hitting the wing lifts the air, and the plane gets sucked up into the air because of the resistance of the air. Mm. Without resistance, the plane will never get up in the air. Mm. As long as it maintains that speed, it will stay up in the air, okay? Right. So resistance can be our friend, right. okay? Now, when they're back in that plane out on the runway, you got your flight attendant teaching you how to use your seatbelt. Right. Like, we really need to know how to use a seatbelt. Yeah. But what they're really saying is, when you're ready to change and change levels and go up, it's probably going to be bumpy. Mm. So fasten your seatbelt, because it's going to be bumpy. Right. It's just the way it is. There's going to be problems. If you fasten your seatbelt and hold on, use your mind to solve the problems because it's all about solving problems. Right. That's one of the biggest keys to getting rich is solving problems. Solve enough problems for you, your customers, your clients, your company, and you make more money. Solve problems. Let's say you walk into a store and you got a problem. And let's say that clerk can't help you. What do they do? They, they call their the manager. Okay. Manage, who makes more money, the manager or the clerk? Manager. Manager, because the manager solves bigger problems, right? Right. And what happens if that manager can't solve that problem? <laughs> They're going to go, to They're the gonna go higher up, right? right. Who's, who makes more money then? The so higher up, mm -hmm. because the higher up solves bigger problems. Bigger problems, right. So the bigger problem solver that you are, the more money you get Man. to make. So find problems. Most people run from them. Right. Find problems to solve. You can do it in real estate. Right. You make more money. Be a problem solver. You make more money. That's it. That's a jewel right there. That's it. Um, uh, I guess the last question would be, is there anything that I left out? <laughs> we covered a lot of you know, stuff. I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, you know, other than that, you know, do you have any like social media that you want to shout out? Facebook? anybody to find you on? You can find me on Sean Greaves on, on Facebook. Um, the EZ53, the letter E, the letter Z, 53.com. Okay. You can find all my stuff. 
Um, my phone numbers are on there. My what? Sean Greaves at gmail.com. Right. You can always get a hold of me. Okay. I'd be glad to help anybody. Um, as long as they're serious. I hate. I, I'll charge people money for a training, and when they don't do anything, I just hate it. Right. Because you know what? I don't need their money. Right. But if I give it away for free, they'll never do anything. So if I'm going to charge somebody money, if I'm teaching them, it works. Whatever I teach works. Right. I wouldn't be doing this and charging money just because. It's because I'm trying to scam somebody out of the money. What I teach works. This book works. This stock market, kiss the stock market goodbye, works. TheGreavesMethod.com works. By public speaking, I can teach people in, in uh, group environments to teach people to change the way they think. I do hypnosis. I teach them how to do self-hypnosis. I actually teach you how to do self-hypnosis in that book, The Success Formula for Humans. Okay. I teach you exactly how to do it. Wow. Um, I don't hold anything back. I want people to be just as successful or more successful than me. Because you know what? There's no competition. The competition is only between your ears. You and yourself. Better. Yeah. So you can have or do anything that you want. Find the right people to help you. You decide what you want to do first, then find people that will help you along the way. The successful ones will be generous with their information to you mm. because they know there's no competition. Right. The real winners. The real winners. <laughs> right. Go out, start giving. Give a smile, give a compliment. Go help somebody. And the universe is going to recognize that and it's, start, it's going to start giving back to you. So whatever you give, that's what you get. Okay, well, I think this has been a pretty good episode. Uh, <laughs> my name is Joshua Williams. You know, this has been the Building with Blocks podcast. Got my guest, first guest here, Sean Grease. I think he set it off pretty, yeah. pretty nice. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. So we're going to make sure we got him linked up for his book, The Success Formula for Humans. Y'all go and check that out. And your other book, what's the name of that one there? I'll kiss the stock market goodbye. Make 30 to 40% interest on your money risk-free unless there's a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> there we go. All right. Thanks, Little man. Podcast. Y'all stay tuned. What's up, everybody? It's Josh Williams with the Building with Blocks podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hit the Twitter up and go ahead and give a little bit of feedback on what you felt about the episode. It's B-U-I-L-D-I-N-W Blocks. The Twitter handle for that, again, is B-U-I-L-D-I-N-W Blocks.